0: I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here with the author of 15 books, and I was just saying a little off mic that uh, I'm trying to think of a, an author that has covered the the Southwest in the same way. And of course, Rachel Carson, right, comes to you know comes to mind, and uh, you know much different styles than Dr. Weinberg, but uh, the the love for their their area, the the Southwest, is is probably equal. Very uh, very interesting. And uh, maybe another story. Maybe we'll take a little break from, from current politics and, and do a little little bit more history here. But Dr. Weinberg, how are you?
1: I'm doing fine. Thank you, Frank. And I hope you are too.
0: I I, I am too. You know, a little discombobulated. It's one of those days, you know. You ever have one of those yeah. days where everything is just, uh, you, you're like a, you're a, an hour short and a, and a, in and, and a, and a minute too fast or something or the other <laughs> way around it's, it's one of those days but um I all in all uh it, you have some interesting uh thought you is it is it research that you've been doing is it research you did in the past but if 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 you don't mind share with uh the audience what we were just talking about off uh mike and it had to do with the rio grande
1: right well um my cousin, it all started with my cousin, Martha, who lives just north of uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And she lives near a place called Bernalillo, which is 12 miles north of uh, Albuquerque. And uh, she is an amateur archaeologist, so she keeps up with everything that's being found around there and uh, and reports to me what uh, what has been discovered and she told me that in the there are ruins of a pueblo a very fine pueblo that was called the Indians called it cuauwa which is very near Bernalillo so cuauwa with a k k u c k u a u cuau no k u a w a that's it cuauwa um and uh, she said that uh, they found, originally found paintings on the wall when that uh, Pueblo was more intact, depicting the murder of two Franciscan friars. And it was thought that the Indians killed them and ate them. <laughs> and so that was shocking enough to bring my attention to <laughs> it. <laughs> and uh, also about the uh, About half a mile from where she is living is a mound where Coronado, who was the first uh, Spaniard to come north looking for gold, of course, uh, it it was where he overwintered. So there are all kinds of debris uh, there in that mound, broken pottery and buckles and and buttons and pieces of swords and things like that. Uh, and so she's right in the middle of a very historic place. And it's that history precisely that I'm going to be talking about. Um, Coronado went up the Rio Grande to find gold uh, among all the pueblos, um, and didn't uh, find it in uh, 1540. And, uh, and uh, 40 years later... So in 1580, 81, uh, a tiny group uh, came up. And so I'm going to set this all up now. Yeah, please. Um, okay, so Coronado it was inspired by a monk named Martin de Niza, who had gone up, having heard rumors that there were seven cities of gold called Cibola, in the north, on a certain river, it was a big river, and it was called the Grand River, the Rio Grande, mm. which actually means just big river, <laughs> uh, to the north. So Coronado got permission from the viceroy and uh, recruited a thousand, uh, three three thousand. I'm sorry, three thousand people, bought food animals to maintain three thousand people. And enough horses so that all those 3,000 people could ride and moved north and went up the Rio Grande into what is now New Mexico from Texas and uh, actually from Mexico City um, all the way up there. And he just about ate the Indians out of house and home because that many animals ate every blade of edible greenery that uh, that was growing along uh, the Rio Grande, which was a fertile valley in those days.
0: Uh, and m- more so than now. I mean, is it uh, was much
1: it- more so? It was a lot wetter in those days. Right. Right. Okay. And, and of course, the Rio Grande was much bigger than it is now because. There was no uh, irrigation along the way. So water was not being siphoned off here and there. So the entire volume of water was coming down, and uh, there was, in the flood plain, uh, there were trees and grass and uh, other edible uh, edible things for the animals. And I'm sure uh, rabbits and other small game to be uh, shot and, uh, and eaten uh, they could have fresh meat. So anyway, um they uh they also and, uh they also broke into the pueblos because they were uh they were looking for gold. They weren't going to be polite. They were going to grab what they found. And uh and they uh, harmed the Indians and they ate all their winter stores. So they ate the Indians out of out of house and home literally. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and one Pueblo revolted, barricaded barricaded itself, and stole some horses, I think, during the night and took them in to the Pueblo to eat them. And uh, uh, the Spaniards then attacked the next morning, and there was a battle. And Coronado was leading, being brave and bold, and uh, proper leader, proper general. And he came up under the wall of the Pueblo, and an Indian dropped a rock, and it hit him right on the head and cracked his skull. And he was out, so he was in a coma for a while. And they burned that Pueblo and probably burned everybody in it. And so the Indians did not have a good, a good memory of the invasion, actually, of a moving village. Uh, under Coronado. Coronado uh, lived to return to uh, Madrid in disgrace, and the Viceroy was furious at him for having spent all that money without having found the gold that had been promised, those seven cities of gold. Yeah, wow. I wrote a book called Seven Cities of Mud (laughs) because because those pueblos on the whole, were adobe, and that's what that is. (laughs) Um, It's a a, a means of using mud and straw uh, and uh, other things uh, to hold the mud together uh, in order to make bricks out of it. You sun dry it, and then you build with it. And uh, uh, many, many buildings uh, in New Mexico are adobe to this day. Anyhow, to get back to the story quickly, Um, after Coronado's failure, there were t- uh, 40 years of nothing. Nobody wanted to go up because nobody had found those seven cities of gold and people were skeptical that they even existed. But after those 40 years were up, a little Franciscan friar named Agustin Rodriguez got the idea that he had heard from the soldiers that had accompanied coronado that uh, the people the pueblo indians were civilized people they cultivated gardens they had uh, they grew corn and beans and squash and cotton he, he said that they also wove into clothing and uh, so they were Uh, They were clothed unlike the naked Indians in the the local uh, rancherias or the Indian uh, tribal dwellings. Uh, So he thought, okay, these people are worthy of becoming Christians, so um, I will see if I can get together a small group of people to go up and count them and see how many priests we need to convert all those Indians. So he, all by himself, he wasn't a priest, he was just a Franciscan friar, a brother. He walk, uh, went down, I don't know whether he walked or rode a mule, probably did, all those 900 miles or whatever from Santa Barbara, which was up close to what is now the Texas border on the Conchos River. And he uh, got to see the viceroy and talked him into. Financing a small expedition. So the viceroy gave him a commission so that he could recruit a soldier and give him a, uh, a, a rank, the, the rank of captain. Hmm. And uh, he recruited eight more soldiers, so there were eight soldiers in all. And he had talked to two of his brothers, who were both priests. Um, one of them was. Um, Brother Francisco, Father Francisco, I'm sorry, and the other one was uh, Father Juan de Santa Maria, and um, uh, so with with those people, so there were three three Franciscan friars, nine soldiers, and enough servants to take care of them, and there were food animals that uh, the Viceroy footed the bill for, and there were 90 horses. I don't know why we got an exact number of horses, but we did. <laughs> yeah. One of those soldiers was literate, and he kept a, a log a daily. A description of what of what was happening.
0: You know what a w- what an advantage for us. I mean, uh, you know, hundreds of years later, right? I mean, that right. one of them mm-hmm. was was literate. I mean, if not, we have no idea that what happened there and the and the story. And go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, what an amazing no
1: problem break without uh, this this man's name was Hernan Gallegos, and Gallegos, um, of course, he wrote it all up uh, using. Rose-colored glasses, because he wanted, uh, he was going to to go for the governorship of that territory. After they had been up in there, he decided he wanted to be the governor, uh, and he called it Nuevo Mexico, so New Mexico, and the name stuck. And uh, uh, there he supplies all kinds of interesting information about uh, uh, the kinds of people who were, who were in the pueblos, the fact that they kept flocks of turkeys and wove uh, blankets out of turkey feathers, And that uh, they had magnificent pottery. Uh, He described the wedding uh, ceremonies and the rain dance using uh, rattlesnakes, (laughs) manipulating rattlesnakes for the dance. And that's still going on, by the way. Uh, and uh, uh, some of their adventures in detail. So it was really interesting reading. And I, my, as I say, I based my book on uh, the Erlang Gaius report. Okay, so uh, they, this little group of 32 people then marches up the Conchos River wh- and turns uh, west along the Rio Grande when they got t- to what is now the Texas border, which, of course, was in the middle of New Spain at that time. And they go around the river past what is now El Paso at the elbow where the river turns due north after having gone due west for a while. And uh, they began to find uh, beautiful pueblos, uh, these civilized people, uh, about halfway to... uh, what is now Albuquerque, which didn't exist in those days. And when they got to the level of Bernalillo, there were two uh, magnificent pueblos, Quahua Pueblo on the west side and Puaray Pueblo on the right side, and there they, they paused and rested for a while and probably ate a lot of the food that the Indians had stored. And uh, they were not uh, not greeted with joy by any means. But the Indians d- uh, did feed them at least, and when they asked for an Indian guide, they supplied one. So in my book, I make her a woman uh, like Sacajawea, mm. who, uh, whom uh, yeah. Lewis and Clark used as his as their guide uh anyway uh it spices up the story, uh, but Gallegos did not specify whether it was a man or a woman, but whoever it was uh, they were able to communicate with the local people, thanks to that guide anyway, they went uh a little further and then the soldiers, under command of the uh this captain that uh, uh, the Augustine had given a commission to They decided they would mutiny and take over the expedition and turn it into a gold hunt. And so then they began breaking into pueblos and behaving just as Coronado did. And uh, and when they came to the Santa Fe River, they went east. And, of course, there were more pueblos there, but no gold. They came back to the uh, Rio Grande, went further north as far as Taos and didn't find any gold. So they came back down, and there is another river south of uh, the Santa Fe River. So between there and Berna, what's now Bernalillo, and between there and Quawa Kaua and Cuaray Pueblos, is called the Galisteo, and it um, empties into the Rio Grande from the east. And so they followed that east. And they came to the mountains, and there they found pueblos that were built of stone, drywall, um, magnificent buildings. And some. Uh, one of them, at least, Abó by name, is uh, intact enough that it's a state park and can be visited. Uh, anyway, they found these pueblos and, of course, broke in, demanded gold. They found copper, but even the copper was uh, imported from the south, so they uh, were— being frustrated. And about that time, Fray Juan de Santa Maria, who was a mathematician and an astronomer, decided he was going to go back to Mexico because he he knew, being an astronomer, he knew that they had come to uh, other sides of the right triangle. And he, from his position, east of the... Uh, Rio Grande, if he went straight, uh, well, south by southeast uh, would be the direction, uh, he would get to the Conchos River and from there back to uh, Santa Barbara. Uh, And he wanted to find a good path for them to go. Uh, This was what he was telling them in any case. But he also told them foolishly, that he was going to report everything they had seen and done to his superior at the monastery, or friary rather, at uh, Santa Barbara and to the Viceroy. So off he went, although uh, Gallego said they pled with him, please do not go, it's going to be so dangerous, and so on and so forth. And he said, well, you know, I'm all by myself, why should I be in danger? So off he went. And three days later, the report came back that he had been killed in Gallegos' reports by the Indians. Wow. And so wow. the, the wow. other rest of the party went further east until uh, they reached the plains on the east side and of uh, the mountains, and they met a, a warlike tribe called the Apache. And the Apache were living in t- teepees and using dogs as their beasts of burden. And they were buffalo hunters. That's how they survived. They, they were meat eaters. And they were threatening, uh, but holding back a little bit because they were f- afraid of, the, uh, of these weird strangers with their metal um, armor and so yeah. on metal skin.
0: Brand new <laughs> to them. I mean, they've never seen anything like that. Metal I'd men, never basically. seen
1: any. Yeah. That's right. That was the first time. And, of course, the horses. The horses frightened them and intrigued them. As, as did the animals. The food animals were goats, sheep, and cattle. And none of those animals existed in the New World. So the whole thing was uh, like a visitation from Mars. Uh, anyhow, so the soldiers then, in order to ingratiate themselves with the Apache, who, and of course they were afraid of them, because they were very much out, outnumbered, they went out and they shot 30 buffalo. And the Apache were very impressed with that, of the that their thunder sticks could kill buffalo. Uh, they were using arquebuses, by the way, so at that, at that point in 1580-81. And... Uh, Uh, And so these were very primitive weapons and didn't shoot very straight or very far, but they were uh, good enough to kill buffalo if you hit them in the right place, which they did. And so they then said, okay, you can have all this meat and all these hides uh, if you'll give us food and guidance. Anyway, so they stayed there for a little while. Then they turned around and went back. However, they had told everybody as they came along that they were immortal, that they could not be killed. (laughs) Um, And uh, the Indians in the Pueblo, the Stone Pueblo, where they had stopped and marauded, uh, manhandled them, uh, they had heard of the death of uh, Fray Juan. And so they knew that the story that they were immortal gods was uh, was false. So uh, they refused food And hospitality. And that night, uh, during uh, the uh, the silence of the night, when the Spaniards were camped near near the pueblo, uh, two of the Indians from the pueblo came out and took two horses. The sentries were obviously uh, not as vigilant as they could have been, and also the Indians were more stealthy than the sentinels were used to, so they got away with two horses, took them into the Pueblo, butchered them and the next morning the horses were missed and the Spaniards uh, I should have told you this. the captain's name was Chamuscado, that was his nickname. His real name was Francisco Sanchez but he was called Chamuscado which means the singed and he was called that because he had a red beard His hair was dark brown, but his beard was red, so he was the Chamuscado. Anyway, Chamuscado led them into the Pueblo and fired off his uh, arquebus and said—of course, he brought everybody's attention um, immediately—and said, uh, give us our horses back. And uh, the Indians threw down turkeys and said, uh, we know nothing of your horses. But Thomas Gather of course, didn't believe them, and so they went through all the every room in the pueblo until they found horse meat. Uh, uh, I should say stored. I don't know how they stored it away, but it was stacked somewhere in a room in the pueblo. And so they said, "Okay, uh, we're going to." Uh, punish the two people or the people who uh, stole the horses, we are going to behead them. And two men ran out of the Pueblo and were promptly caught and dragged to the Spanish camp. And Chamuscado, this is of course a report by Gallegos, uh, Chamuscado had uh, plotted with the Franciscans, who were virtual prisoners, um, that when he raised the axe to cut the head off, of the bound captive with his head on the block, that they would run out, grab his arm, push him back, and beg for mercy for the captive. And so this was carried out, and the Indians loved it. They believed that this was actually happening. And that the franciscans were their saviors uh, and they picked them up and carried them on their shoulders into the into the pueblo and then they they feasted that night and danced and so that's one of the incidents um but the problem was that now all the indians the whole entire uh, area knew that they were just human beings like everybody else and that gave uh that put them at a distinct disadvantage because they were in such a small number but they went on anyway they went back to puarai and then from there they went west as far as zuni but time was a wasting and it became winter time and started to snow and sleet and freeze and they decided to go leave Zuni, which they realized that that was there were seven pueblos there, and that was where uh, Coronado believed had believed uh, uh, Cibola, the seven cities of gold, would be. But they were obviously not cities of gold. Fine pueblos they were, but not, there was no gold. Mud cities of mud. They returned,
0: cities of mud. Cities of mud.
1: Yeah, they were well, Yes, exactly. Uh, a couple of cities of stone, <laughs> and the rest were mud. <laughs> and they went back to Puebla and uh, uh, stayed maybe two or three days. But they decided to go home, just as Coronado did, uh, with their tails between their legs, you might say, because they had not found any gold, and they had not also they had not done what they had come up to do, namely count how how many priests would be needed. To convert all those Indians. But Chamoscado had caught some disease, I think it probably was malaria, so he was very ill. And the two remaining Franciscans refused to go back with them and said, we are going to stay here and missionize these Indians. Uh, These Indians in Puarai are at least uh, halfway uh, hospitable to the two of us, so uh, we'll stay. So uh, the rest of the soldiers said, you're you're fools for staying, and off we go. And uh, the group of soldiers, servants, and animals that hadn't been (laughs) eaten— uh got as far as three leagues north of Santa Barbara and when Chamuscalo got so ill that they had to stop and they decided they would bleed him because that was the way to cure people in the in those days and still up into the 19th century even and so they bled him with a horseshoe nail <laughs> and he died um uh, I think probably of tetanus from the horseshoe nail, but wow. who knows? Wow. <laughs> so that was what happened with the bulk of the uh, expedition. But the two friars staying in Puarai were promptly murdered, but not eaten because uh, they did not belong to the uh, to the Aztec group, the Aztec language group. Uh, had a uh, religion that required human sacrifice, as probably everybody knows, uh, and the victim's heart would be plucked out of his breast, uh, still beating and eaten by the high priests. Um, And apparently the Caddo and Asinai tribes in Texas uh, also practiced that religion. But the Pueblo Indians never did, so uh, they were absolved of, of the cannibalism that started this whole thing, as far as my research was concerned. And in any case, um, then Hernán Gallegos uh, went to Spain and presented his report to King Philip II and asked to be made governor of Nuevo Mexico, New Mexico, and Philip was impressed enough to say, "Sure." Uh, Gallegos had no pretensions to be nobility or anything of that sort, but he was obviously a capable human being, clever human being, and uh, they had made—he uh, had made such a nice impression with the rose, rose-colored glass <laughs> report he had made. Um, So Gallegos then uh, apparently uh, uh, started to go home, uh, rather, I'm sorry, not home, but back to uh, the new world to take up his governorship. But he never made it, and nobody knows what happened to him. And I speculate that he was probably mugged when he got to the seaport, wherever, whichever one that was, uh, mugged, robbed, and his body thrown into the sea because he was never found, there was no trace of him. And so that was the end of that. And that is the end of my account wow. of the uh, expedition, except for one thing, and that is, how did Fray Juan de Santa Maria actually die? Hmm. They said the Indians, that is Gallego says, the Indians did it. But why would the Indians kill a lone man leaving their territory, not harming them, unarmed? Um, Who had the actual reason to kill Fray Juan de Santa Maria?
0: (laughs) Some of his own people, maybe, right?
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, he had told them that he was going to make a report of what they had seen and done, and what they had done was mutiny and take over the expedition and mishandle the Indians. And I'm sure Fray Juan, and, and of course also mishandled the Franciscans himself. And I'm sure the friar was going to report it, and Gallegos knew it. And he, with his ambition to be governor, uh, probably got two helpers, and they went out, tracked Fray Juan, and shot him with an arquebus arrow. And that way, got rid of uh, anybody telling the wrong, uh, giving the wrong impression, I should say, of their wonderful expedition. Uh, and that's how I I, uh, I write it up in my novel, um,
0: Seven Cities of Mud.
1: In Seven Cities of Mud, right. So, uh, of course, uh, that story is told also from the Indian point of view. Uh, We have no records of how the Indians actually behaved. Um, But they did kill the two friars. There's no doubt about that. Uh, So uh, I write it and make make up that side of the story. But uh, but the the Spanish side of the story is pretty clear. And, of course, I, I, uh, I discard those Rose-colored glasses <laughs> to tell it the way I'm pretty sure it happened.
0: Wow! Yeah, I, I, what what a story! And and again, this these aren't stories we're going to hear in in high school, uh, and oh, we're, not, yeah, right. we're certainly not going to hear them in Texas high school. That's for sure. I, I don't know what we're going to hear, but it, you know, one of the you know one of the quick questions that I have for you is we've had discussions about what the state of Texas. Is trying to do with, uh, you know, with with changing the history or, or what you know, and what could be told about the Alamo, or what can't be, you know, what shouldn't yeah, be told yeah. about the, uh, you know, really whitewashing uh, the history, and and we're in a modern age, you know, we're in a modern age now where. Where where print is free, you know it's uh you know you can, you can print things up for free. It's not even you don't even have to buy ink by the barrel, so to speak, to uh to, to get your point across there. But it, we're we're looking at a story that was you know what is that six hundred years ago almost right? I mean, almost six uh, six hundred years ago the story you told is that. Uh
1: mm. Mm-hmm. Well, th- uh, it's. Fifteen, uh,
0: yeah, it's almost yeah. almost almost six uh, six hundred years ago,
1: yeah.
0: and you're getting the account, which you, it sounded great and sounded fair or whatever, but you know you you have that big question, you know who killed him, who killed the lone man, leaving the the situation. They said the the Indians. Why, why would the Indians? I, I was just thinking that when you said that they said the uh, Indians would kill him, but that's that's six hundred years ago, and. And, and we're getting it from one person. What we're looking at now, what we're looking at now as, as history being made, we're going to have, quote-unquote, Trump historians tell, mm-hmm. the, tell the story of January 6th as, yes. uh, as the Boston Tea Party. And we're going to have decisions to make as, as a future society. I don't mean you and I will be long gone, but, you know, 100 years from now, Are our our, uh, people that come after us, are they going to say, oh, wait, wait, there's two sides to this story. Here's the one side and here's the other side. What I'm hoping is that our society becomes more intelligent and they uh, and they will understand what uh, what is is straight you know let's say journalism which by the way has gone out the window let's face it i mean you know uh journalism in so many ways has gone out the window it's it's either um in, in so many ways pro-trump or anti-trump uh and yeah. those f- those four years that we experienced after the 2016 election uh all all but destroyed um what we knew once as journalism because the journalists jumped up and they said we got to end this guy we've got to put an end to this guy and that's not really journalistic either by the way I mean uh, traditionally that's not journalistic but uh, they felt hey this is my job as a as a patriot this guy is doing things or, or attempting to do things that's going to be damaging to the country so they jumped up and, and uh, they became patriots the Trump people you know the, the pro Trump people um, you know said hey we're, d- we're going to defend the guy who was elected here and you know and by the way I mean t- <laughs> so few of them uh, would ever be classified as journalists uh, that uh, that jumped up and said that but we're we're looking at dueling history from this point on and I don't know if that came from the the internet I don't, I don't know if it came before that but uh, you know as you tell your story and as I asked this question uh, dr. Weinberg uh, wh- what are we what was the big change do you think and and you know a watershed moment? Uh, Was it the four years of Trump? Did this change the way we're going to start viewing history from now? Uh, Has it become more polarized, or is that just my imagination?
1: Well, it's obviously polarized at the moment. I don't know whether it will remain polarized forever, uh, but uh, it it will take a while uh, to, because such a large portion of the country now believes in Q, uh, QAnon yeah. and uh, and believes that Trump was actually a savior figure who was saving us from a terrible bureaucracy that was uh, and of course then there's uh, the the Q um, a myth uh, th- that uh, uh, that the deep state was actually a, a, a cadre of a cannibalistic child pornographers and and uh, child uh, abusers uh, uh, marketing children and killing children and on and on. Um, and uh, so many people believed it because uh, now, and this is another thing that has changed journalism, now scenes can be faked. You can uh, you can change photographs to show what you want them to show, so you can show um, Hillary Clinton eating a child, for instance amazing a dismembered baby wow. uh, you can show uh, the and seeing is believing and so uh, many people who were in the re- uh, the insurrection on the sixth of January were actual believers uh, in Uh, In that uh, story, and they they were there to save the country, and they were sincere about it.
0: Uh, They were throwing tea into Boston Harbor.
1: Yeah, right. Well, that's of course that's a a, um, an idea that's come up just recently. Yeah, that this is similar to the uh, Boston Tea Party. Where of course the people just went out at night and and uh, and probably maybe knocked out the sentry who was standing uh, at the uh, uh, at, at the entrance there to the ship and they went into the ship and got the casks of tea and threw them overboard. Big deal, right? I and mean, then that really does not compare to what was what they did to the Capitol building. No doubt about and it. To no the, question. And to the uh, police who were trying to guard it and would have done if they had managed to get hold of any of the, uh, uh, of the senators and representatives. Uh, not at all. They, uh, those Tea Party people uh, would probably not have harmed anyone that uh, was trying to stop them, except uh, maybe they would, uh, would tie them up. That would right. be about it, but they right. certainly wouldn't, wouldn't uh, kill them. Much different. The,
0: these guys on the sixth would have killed. I think they. My God, they might have raped and killed people like uh, Speaker Pelosi or 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 someone yes. like that. Yeah, they well, might they have were hung out Pence. To
1: Kill her for sure. Yeah. Yes.
0: And, and I, I uh, know that. I know that firsthand. I was there. People were. Uh, I I asked a group of of these thugs. They were nice to me that night, but they were. Uh, I asked a, a group of them, not as an interviewer, but I, of course I was acting as an interviewer. And I I said, what would have happened if you caught them? And they looked at each other and they were all laughing, you know, like, uh, you know, like a a nervous, uncomfortable laugh. And um, Mm -hmm. and they just moved on. But it was it was obvious that um, not they weren't saying they would have done it. They were saying the crowd would have would have torn them apart. Uh, Chris Van Hollen, they were uh, for whatever reason, they heard that he was around. You know, he's a representative from what, Maryland, I think, or um, or, you know, uh, he's the senator. Uh, anyway, but uh, it's you know it's, it's very disturbing, and you're right, a much different situation. But they're trying to portray it as um, as uh, as uh, the Tea Party type thing. Anyway, I didn't mean to get caught up on that, but uh, the the point is that history from 600 years ago, um, you know, we, we take it, and, and we're gonna we're gonna trust the historian and the writer, who uh, who who wrote that. Nowadays, it should be a much more solid situation. The downside. Is it so easy to record history or at least a version of someone's history that we don't know which version, 100 years from now, we won't know which version to, to, uh, to agree with? Well, understand. I think
1: there's so much, there's so much film yes, of, the, right. uh, of the rioting crowd and, and what they were doing to the, uh, to the police who were guarding the Capitol. Um, it's so graphic, uh, unless it can be, all can be suppressed there will be document documentation of what really happened there and uh c- comparing it to the uh, boston tea party is is absurd yep. uh, on the face of it and uh, so or, or that it was a normal day of tourist visitation i mean <laughs> ridiculous Which we hearing. So, <laughs> uh, hearing but but the origins of uh, the the trump movement and the uh, uh and the q movement Uh, are distortions of reality that are borne out by gimmicking around with film. And so you're showing people uh, in moving pictures. uh, They're showing the lies in moving pictures by... Substituting, if uh, Hillary Clinton uh, had, uh, if someone had a picture of or a movie of Hillary eating, then they would uh, place a dismembered baby in front of her or something like yeah. that. Wow! Um, and uh, and palm that off as reality, and people people believe it um, because seeing is believing, and people are naive, especially people in rural areas. Who don't know what all can be done with film? Uh, So uh, history can be distorted, and people's uh, uh, beliefs can be manipulated, and that is what is happening. And uh, so, and the the right—I don't happen to be on the right—but on the right, uh, people um, are claiming the same thing about the left. That uh, the left is distorting, <laughs> distorting history, so it'll take a long time uh, for the two sides to subside and, um, and make peace and I don 't know if that's going to be in our lifetime, Frank:
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you it's it's become very polarizing, and I, I think things should get better. I think things are getting calmer now, um, yeah I, I, I hope. And uh, we don't know what's, uh, what the next election uh, will, will be like. If it's Trump, then you could just imagine it's going to be um, very, uh, very, very antagonistic on both sides. If it's somebody like DeSantis, who I think a lot of Trump people like, uh, it, you know, it, it, it will be polarizing. But I, I don't think anywhere as much as—I uh, as tr- don't think anyone could top Trump as far as polarization right. no one that that's I've right. ever seen I mean he is, mm-hmm. yeah he's by far that's
1: right well I, I'm going to say this although I'm sure the uh, half of the listening audience will not agree but I believe that the man is psychotic and he actually believes that he won the election he cannot accept the fact that he the great Donald Trump uh, lost an election although he actually did lose the the election in 2016 uh, in, in 2016 uh, as far as the, the uh, popular vote went
0: by 3 million votes
1: uh, and and it happened again only this time the electoral college was not uh, uh was not on his side despite all the manipulation that has gone on with the electoral college it continues to be going to to go on right now um so I think a uh, a psychotic individual who says I won the election by a landslide and it was uh it was fraud that robbed me of the election with such conviction and repeating it so many times thousands of times that the people who support him in the first place believe him they come to believe that that is true and uh, even once they are convinced that that is not true, they've already gone so far with the lie that they can't back out, and they continue to support it.
0: Yeah, amazing.
1: And so it goes. Uh, and so 48, is it, of the 50 states have uh, passed—couldn't be that many. It has to be 40 of the 50 states have passed laws to restrict voting because— uh if we can't have these colored people, yeah. <laughs> these brown and black people we can't And Asian people, we can't have all these people who are not lily white voting I mean, our forefathers were all lily white men, even those women they, <laughs> yeah. they often vote on the wrong side yeah. <laughs> wow so so if we can restrict voting in any way we can think of. We will pass laws to that effect, and uh, and most of the states have done it already. But the the swing states are the ones that are in the news all the time. So Arizona, Georgia, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota to some extent. Uh, anyway,
0: well, that's maybe the way soon it's going Texas, and uh,
1: God knows where it's going to end up.
0: Uh, let me tell you, maybe your own state of Texas will one day uh hopefully in our lifetime uh well i uh, uh, i'm saying that because it's inevitable and that uh, and that would mean that you and i would live long enough to see it but i think eventually texas is going to be a swing state
1: oh i forgot to mention texas yeah. in my list of states yeah. yes absolutely yeah, yeah we will soon have uh, have those laws passed i'm sure because uh, uh the the democrats can't stay in washington forever no. And the moment they get back, they will be arrested and uh, hauled in chains back to the House of Representatives and forced, or the legislature, I should say, and forced uh, to sit there while the Republicans pass the uh, voter restrictions. That's exactly what's going to happen, and they and those restrictive laws will be immediately signed uh, by the governor. Yeah. And, and the me. governor's promised to do that, and I'm sure he'll carry that promise out.
0: Yeah, that's one promise he won't break.
1: Nope, no. he will not forget that one. No. As I said before, I got to keep those brown people, especially the brown ones here in Texas. But there are enough black people also, especially in East Texas, Houston. Um, so we got to keep them from voting
0: yeah it, right um so much un- unfortunately there's so much sentiment around there where they're not they 're not saying it, but they might as well say it. I hope they 're not saying it outright but they they clearly are acting uh in that manner uh just terrible yeah. oh, l- listen doc uh, a wonderful piece of history you gave us, and i 'm sure i'm certain. That no one listening will get that history anywhere else. Maybe if they if if they look it up now, they may. But prior to that, I it was the first yes. time. I,
1: oh yeah! If they Google it now, oh, I think they will find well. it. Uh, bits and pieces of it, and if they buy my book, <laughs> hint hint, <Yes. laughs> they'll get it.
0: <laughs> no doubt. I, and let's let's give the website out, uh, Doc. And let's uh, uh, as as we prepare to blast and blast and blast. Uh, Let's give the website out for uh, uh, for easy access to these
1: books. Well, first of all, uh, Amazon.com is the place to uh, to find all my books, and uh, my own website is simply www.florenceweinberg.com, and all the books are there, Uh, and so, and also they can be uh, ordered. Uh, that way, you can order them directly from me. Also, if you if you want a signed copy,
0: <laughs> now listen. People order these books. Uh, she's written fifteen, but I think nine of them are available. Is it is it correct?
1: Nine of them are available uh, from me and from Amazon. Wonderful, right.
0: Doctor Weinberg, from Barnes
1: and Noble too. Uh, and they're e-books. Uh, all of them are e-books
0: so they could buy them in a, a couple of different forms. Everyone, please buy it. Don't be cheap. Buy some books from this lady. And she's uh, put a lot of effort in. She wants them read. And uh, Purchase them. Purchase them, guys. Uh, Frank McKay here reminding everyone you've been listening to the Dr. Florence Weinberg Show or just the Florence Weinberg Show, but you've been listening to Dr. Florence. Buy him Weinberg, and she's the author of 15 books. She's the subject of a documentary, which you'll be able to see as well at uh, site. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on the Florence Weinberg show.